You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. I, I have a word from God this morning. Amen? And I'm excited to bring it. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes. Uh, the title of this message, or I wouldn't call it a message. I'd call it a prophetic word to the Promise Church. And then a word that I believe I'll preach um, around the U.S. as well in this coming season. And the title is, Are You Wise? Are You Wise? That was perfect. Whoever did that, that was great. It came up right when I said it. We're so professional here. Okay, you guys doing good? I'm, a, I'm not a professional preacher. I'm, I'm just in love with Jesus. And so bear with me. Let's pray and ask God to come. So Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that you're here. Worship was awesome and your presence was here. And God, we pray that as, as the word is preached, God, that it would come out clearly and that it would mark us today in Jesus' name, amen. So are you wise? Are you a wise Christian that is thinking about and living toward the coming of Christ? Are you wise? Okay, just, just take a moment and just think about that statement. Are you a wise Christian who is living toward and living for the coming of Jesus Christ? I was, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing a, a Bible reading plan where I'm, gonna, I'm attempting to read through the Bible in 90 days. Now, I know Casey's wife, Ashley, and my sister, Sarah, have done a thing called the 30-day shred, where you read the Bible in 30 days. I can't do that yet. I'm working up to it. So I'm doing it in, in 90 days. I'm, I'm listening and reading at the same time. And when I got into the book of Exodus, and that's where we're going to start this morning, Exodus uh, chapter 27, verse 20, the, the, the scripture came to life. And, and you guys have had moments while you're reading scripture that scripture just pops off the page to you. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. And, and that was the beginning of this prophetic word that God began to speak to me. And, I, and, 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 I, and we're gonna read this scripture in a moment, but as I begin to read this scripture, God, like the presence of God just came. And, 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 I, and I was just, and it put me on a, a search for the last two weeks where I kind of developed this message over times in the quiet time, knowing that I was going to come here and share this message. And there was a time last Saturday that I was in my room, and it was one of those prayer times. So, so when I wake up, sometimes I'll wake up later. I like to wake up early in the morning to meet with God. But if I was up late the night before, if I wake up, my family sends me into the prayer room because they know that the family's not going to have a good day unless Dad prays. So they sent me into the prayer room to pray, and it was one of those loud prayer times. Like, I had my sound-canceling things in, and I was screaming, and I'm sure it was off-tune. It was probably awful. And I came out of, the, out, of, out of my closet, and my wife looked at me. She said, that was interesting. I said, I met with God, and, and he, gave, he gave me something, and I believe it was for now, and I believe it's a now word. Amen? So let's look at Exodus 27, starting in verse 20, it says this, And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light. Say light. To cause the lamp to burn continually. Say continually. You might want to underline that. In the tabernacle of meeting, outside the veil which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever, say forever, to the generations on behalf of the children of Israel. When I read that, it just was like, I was like, I need to understand this. And we're going to get more into it as we go through the message. But what I want to highlight first in the text is the word oil. And we know when you look at the Old Testament, the oil represents the... Holy Spirit, let's try that again. The, whole, the oil represents the? Yeah, that was more confident that time. It represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit. Jesus was beaten so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out upon us. Amen? 
Jesus was beaten. He, he was pressed so that the Holy Spirit then could be poured out on us. But also in, tres- in, in trials and pressures of life, when we are beaten, it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come out of us. Amen? So trials seem to only be increasing on the earth, right? Watch the news. I'm not happy about that, but I understand the need for me to allow them to produce life in my life or to produce oil in my life. Now, listen to this next statement that I wrote down here. It says this, I would rather go through hard times and be wise when he comes than have an easy life and end up being a foolish Christian. So I will welcome the trial if it produces wisdom in my life and oil over having it easy and being foolish. Amen? We're going to read a scripture here in a moment that's going to back that. This life is a dressing room for eternity. We, we so much are focused on the here and now, and we should be, and we need to extend the kingdom of God on earth, but there is a kingdom to come. Right? We have received a down payment of the Holy Spirit, and we are expanding the kingdom of God on this earth, but Jesus is coming back. And we have to live for his coming and not just live in this moment or we could be caught off guard. Right? When we enter into heaven, it says that the gates will be like what? You guys remember? What will they be like? Pearls. The gates will be like pearls. Pearls are produced under intense pressure, right? There'll be a crack that's in the oyster, a piece of sand will get in there, there'll be an agitation, and in in something that started out bad with a break and pressure and all that, all of a sudden, a beautiful pearl is produced. In our life, the pressures and the trials and the things that we go through can either produce bitterness and wrong things in our life, or the Holy Spirit could be produced in the midst of the trials that we go through. All right. In James 1, we're not going to camp on this thought of trials, but I, I felt that I needed to talk about this shortly. In James 1, starting in verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now in this room, there are many people that are facing many trials. How are you looking at that trial? Is that trial an opportunity to have the oil of the Holy Spirit added to your life and come out of your life? Or is that trial that you're in something that you're fighting against? I'm not saying that we accept everything that comes our way, but what are we allowing that trial to produce in our life? So how do we make sure that we are wise and have oil for the end times and the coming of Christ? This should be of the utmost importance in our life. Now, if you're like me at night when I get in bed, I use all-powerful Google and I look up news. Anybody else like me out there? Any adults? Okay, one other person? Okay. Maybe, right? I'm, I'm typing in Afghanistan. I'm, I'm typing in what in the world is happening in Australia. Like, I'm trying to get a pulse on what's happening in the world. Anybody watching the news or trying to stay current with what's happening in the world? I see some, you're not going to get shamed for saying you do. I am. We need to be, we need to understand what's happening in the world. But as much as we go on Google or go to the news sources, we have to be going to the Word of God to allow the Word of God to shape the way we are seeing what is happening in the world right now. Amen? Or we can get mixed up. But we want the Word of God to be our foundation. So how do we know and make sure that we're wise? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to have a cliffhanger where you're like, am I wise, am I not? We're going to be able to clearly define if you are 
or if you're not, and you'll be, able, you'll be given practical tools today to begin to become a wise follower of Jesus. Amen? So Jesus, or I'm going to read out of Luke 21, verse 34. I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. So you, I wouldn't try to turn there, but I'd write it down. Write it down and then go back and look at it. In Luke 21, verse 34 through 36, it says, Be, uh, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. That's you and me. It says this, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, when, if, if you read the New Testament, I mean, if, if you read the Old Testament as well, you see it there as well. But if you read the New Testament, you cannot get away from, from thinking, I need to be wise and I need to be prepared. Read 1 John, 2 John, read 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Thessalonians. They're telling us to be ready. And this was, they wrote these 2,000 years ago. We're closer to the end now than ever before. So, so, so don't hear this and be like, oh, this is a doom and gloom. This guy's saying the, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And this word tells us to be ready. And if you read the word more than you read news articles, you would see that. That this was actually something that the first church kept before them so that they would remain strong. Amen? I'm going to get a little bit passionate. If I yell, I'm, not, I'm, I'm yelling at Theo. Just remember that. But if I'm looking at you, I'm really talking to Theo. Okay, the whole time, to Pastor Theo. All right, Jesus wants us to be wise, not foolish. The, the main text that we're going to look at is in Matthew 25, starting in verse 1. You know it. Uh, Well, it says this, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps, say lamps. Okay, there's the correlation between Exodus Exodus 27 and then Matthew 25. So there's these lamps, this light. And went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. So there were wise and there were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord. Open to us, but he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. In which the Son of Man is coming. Now, in Exodus 27, you see that the the lights or the lamps were trimmed by Aaron and the Levites. It said, tell the people to bring the oil. They brought them to the, to the, the Levites, the priests. They gave them the oil. They must have had some way to store that oil so that they could continually keep it burning. But the priests trimmed the oil. So there's two different ways that your lamps are trimmed. The first way is through corporate gatherings, right? As we were worshiping, as Jeffrey opened up and exhorted, as Luke got up and talked about tithe and offering and the blood of Jesus, which by the way, the blood of Jesus is powerful because it's God's blood. There there was never any blood like it, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to stay focused. So, and then worship, 
right? It's trimming our lamps. And then the preaching of the word as I'm preaching today. It's trimming your lamps. It's trimming your light. You're going to leave changed. But the second way that our lamps are trimmed is you trim them. Because in this text, in Matthew 25, it said they woke up and they tried to trim their lamps. And there was no lamp to trim. And I need you to understand that when he returns, I will not be standing there with you. Your saved wife will not be standing there with you. Your child who loves Jesus won't be standing there with you. It's going to be you and it's going to be him and you better have oil in that lamp. So we come into corporate gatherings that are so important and we get trimmed. But I'm telling you what is more important is what you do with what happens today in the corporate presence of God. Are you going to be considered a wise or a foolish servant? Telling you it's going to be heavy today, but it's not going to be me trying to get fired up. The word of God is going to convict you to the core. And you're going to leave today and you're going to ask yourself, am I wise? And I believe that every person in this room can be a wise son or daughter of God. I believe it. I really believe it. I want to point out that some were wise and some were foolish. It wasn't some were lucky and others were unlucky. Now listen to me, youth. Listen to me, young adults. If you're anything like me, when I was younger, I thought, I hope I'm serving Jesus when he comes back. Like, I hope, I'm ready. Like, some are going to be lucky and some are going to be unlucky. It doesn't say that in this parable. It says some are wise and some are foolish. So if you're thinking, I hope I'm ready when he comes, can I say to you and submit to you that you are foolish? If you think in your mind, I hope I'm serving him when he comes, you are not wise. You are foolish. This is a word, I believe, from God for this season. Because where we are headed as a nation, I believe, is going to get a little more difficult. I'm not prophesying. I'm believing for the best, but I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm watching. I'm, I'm listening. And, I'm, and, and, I'm, and then God gives me a word like this, and I'm thinking, we need to have oil in our lamps, and they need to be trimmed. So it's not lucky, unlucky. You're wise if you're prepared. I did not wake up this morning in fear of his coming. I woke up this morning in love with him. I went to bed last night knowing when he comes, I'm ready. That's what a wise son or daughter is like. So we're going to go through three, three different, we're going to look at three different things. So the first one is Jesus wants us to be wise. The second one is this. How do you know that you are a wise follower of Jesus? How do you know? Right? Because now we're like, I want to be wise. Well, what does that mean? Look like. And at the end of, of Matthew 25, where we read, it said, But he answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. That sounds a lot like Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These were individuals that claimed to be followers of Jesus that were doing his works. And they were foolish. And they were workers of lawlessness. Okay? I just want to kind of put a bookmark there for a minute and say this. These were people moving in the power of God. I'm just going to stop right there. Because I don't, I don't want to say that. We're just going to stop right there. Just think about that for a moment. These were people that were active in the body of Christ, doing miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy, deliverance. 
He didn't know him. So what are four signs that you are a wise follower of Jesus? Number one, you are a confessing Christian. You are a confessing Christian. I'm not talking about outreach. This is not an evangelism message today. Surprise, that's normally all I talk about. Confessing Christ is not outreach. It's you live your life confessing who he is. You you confess him. It's not that you go to Walmart and tell somebody about him as, as passionate as I am about that. It's does your life confess that you are a follower of Jesus. When you go to your workplace and you walk in, do you look just like the world and they don't know that you're a confessing Christian? Do you sound like them, look like them, act like them, do what they do? It's not do you share your faith. It's do you confess to follow him? In Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. My my wife was telling me that right now in Afghanistan, and and we know about what's happening there. There's many Christians that, by the way, Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church on the planet. Second to Iran. And and my wife was telling me about something that she read while there was a Christian leader in America that was on the phone with the church in Afghanistan. And they said, we can feel the prayers. Don't stop praying. We will not deny Jesus. We will die for this. And even the children are willing to die. Confessing Christ will cost you something. In Afghanistan, it will cost you your life. Here, maybe it will cost you your reputation. But are you confessing to be a follower of Jesus? Number two is this. You hunger for the things of God. When you get sick, you lose your appetite. If you are here and you are not hungry for the things of God, you are sick. If you don't wake up in the morning desiring to be with God, to be in his word, you are malnourished and you are sick. That when you truly are one who is wise, you hunger the things of God. You hunger for those. That doesn't mean that you go to Bible college. That doesn't mean that you go on the mission field. That doesn't mean that you wake up at 5 a.m. and pray. It means that when you get in your work truck... There's something in you that says, I need to connect to God this morning. It means that when you're a mom and you've got four babies, right? And you wake up and you're struggling because you were up all night with those babies. There's something in your heart that says, I need to connect to Jesus this morning. It's not religion, it's connection. But if you're here and you're not hungry for the things of God, you're not healthy. So we know by our hunger and this room is hungry today. Worship showed that. Number three, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life. Listen closely to this in Galatians 5, verse 18. It says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now listen carefully. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. They're not getting to it. They're not hoping to. They have. Now, I'm not preaching being perfect. I'm preaching being holy. And if Jesus says, be holy as I am holy, it's possible. God never calls us to something that he won't equip us to do. The, The reality is, is that we fill ourselves on the things of the world. And so the things of the world come out of our life. But if we behold him, we'll begin to look like him. 
sound like him and have the fruit of the spirit that comes out of our lives. So, so it's not, are you working miracles? Are you winning souls? Are you, whatever it is, going to church and tithing, as important as all those things are, when he comes back, it's do you have the fruit of the spirit in your life? Well, what does that look like practically? When that person is in the Burgerville drive-through and she's eight feet away from where she's supposed to order and she's yelling back and forth and it takes 25 minutes for her to order and there's, it's, a, it's what we call a fruit tester. It's real. Don't laugh at me. You've all been there if you've been to Burgerville. It's, it's awful, but it's preparing you for the coming of Christ. Right? Self-control. Right, people are peeling out. I'm like, is, is, right? But it's, it's actually, that reveals if you follow Jesus, as funny as it is. The person in line, the person that agitates you, the, the, the different things that are happening in the world, is it producing Christ-likeness in you or is it producing anger and bitterness and gossip and Right, the ones that are about to fill our church are the ones that we all are having a hard time with. Right, I, I, was, I was in Portland at a Portland Timbers game and, and they were chanting and I was in the Timbers army and I don't even like football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. And we're going back and forth and every other word's a swear word. James was with me. It was so great. And James, every time they'd cuss, he'd yell like, Apple Jacks! It was so... You shiver me timbers. It was awesome. And we're just going back and forth. And, and there's every flag that's flying that you would not want to see flying. And all this stuff going on. And I was starting to get an attitude. And God said, hey, uh, look at your church. Do you like it? Be careful not to make enemies of those who are about ready to fill this house. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. So if you're against a political party, if you're against a certain group of people, repent. God is for them. And God is not slow in his promises concerning any of us. And thank God that he's given you mercy. And thank God that he's given me mercy. Because your gossip, your slander, your this, your that is just as yucky. Come on, somebody. We got to make sure that we have oil and we have the fruit of the spirit coming out of our life. Number four is this. You are salt and light to those around you. It's important to understand that the scripture of salt and light being salt and, and a light, a city set on a hill is after the Beatitudes. Right. Go read Matthew five and you'll see that you are salt and light, not because you're a witness at Walmart, not because you went on a mission trip or or you did something ministry related. You're salt and light because you possess the Beatitudes in your life and you can only have the Beatitudes in your life if you have the fruit of the spirit in your life. So we will be a a salt and a light to the world around us and where we're going as a nation is as things maybe get darker, the light's going to shine brighter and they're going to begin to look at you. And the way that we're going to witness to the world is look at that family. They're patient. They're kind. They're full of self-control. When they walk into the, to, to the room, they don't have to say anything. But the atmosphere shifts. Like we're going to begin to stand out because of the fruit of the Spirit of God on our lives. You it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See your good works. The, seeing the fruit of the Spirit coming out of your life. We, uh, we, we were out at the mall. I walked into the shopping mall and, and I got a word of knowledge for somebody who had a bad knee. I didn't know who it was for. I said, God, who's this for? And a, a barber shop was highlighted to me. So this is just a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. So I walked over to the barber shop and, and I walked in and it was, a, it was like a really cool barber shop. Like it was awesome. And I, I walk in, I'm like, hey, I was talking to the owner. 
I said, hey, um, just wondering if, if you've got trouble with the knees or if somebody does. And the owner goes into the barber shop, turns off the music. Every chair is full and they all look at me. And I, I said, do you have trouble with your knee? And this big guy at Los takes a step back. He goes, how the heck do you know that about me? And God began to move. So I said, I'm going to come back. After I eat lunch, because he was cutting somebody's hair, I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. And so we came back and listen, guys, the whole barbershop was full. Now the whole barbershop is empty about an hour later and just he is sitting at the front desk. So we walked in. As we walked in, we, uh, we said, can we pray for you? We laid hands on him. We began to pray. A young man, uh, a high schooler went behind him. And when the high schooler put his hand on him, Carlos turned around and said, who are you? When you touched me, I felt power go through my body. He was instantly healed. I preached the gospel to him. He was born again. Listen, don't clap yet. It gets better. So we lead him to the Lord. I get his information. I'm reaching out to him. And, and about a week later, I'm going to go see him again because I'm trying to disciple him. And I, I walk into the barber shop, and the owner starts freaking out. Oh my gosh, he starts running around the barbershop. It's full. I can't believe you just walked in here. The entire atmosphere shifted. Carlos was telling his testimony about how he was driving down the road and two semi-trucks hit him, completely destroyed the Suburban that he was driving, and all six people in the Suburban came out unhurt, and since the day we prayed for him, his knees have caused him no trouble. And he's saying this, I don't know what's going on, but I can't stop helping people. I, I used to walk by people. I said, it's really easy in Ezekiel 36. It says, God will give you a new heart. You were born again. And we start preaching the gospel to the barber shop. Lady walks in, start laying hands on her and God moves. Salt and light. That's what we're called to be. We're called to shift atmospheres. Right When I'm back home, I get really bold because I just view this town as my town. This is God's town. So I walk up to people. Hey, uh, my name's Chris. How long have you been living here? Oh, a year? Oh, that's great. Well, I was born here and uh, this is my town. So welcome. And then they kind of have to respect me like, oh, I, I'm in your town. Oh, and by the way, let me preach the gospel to you. They're like, well, this is his town, so I'm going to listen to him share the gospel. <laughs> she go to the mall with me. It's great. She go to Portland with me. It's greater. <laughs> and I heard Sonny in his heart say, amen, I will. I will go with you. Number three, so that the third point that we're going to land on as we, as we begin to wind down is this. How do you grow in wisdom and strengthen yourself in the Lord? Okay, so we talked about God wanting you to be wise. We talked about Okay, are you wise? And there's people in the room sitting there going, um, I, need to, I need to grow in wisdom. I need to grow in strength. And I'm telling you, as I'm preaching this message to you, I'm preaching to myself. I need to grow. And these are questions that Chelsea and I are talking about at night. How can we be a stronger family? How can we have a stronger marriage? How can we pursue God so that we will have strength when he comes? Amen? So these are things that we're talking about. We all want to be confident when he comes, and we can be. In 1 John 2, verse 28 and 29, it says this, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears you may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him that we may have confidence and not shrink back from him. It is possible. Amen? It's going to cause it. There has to be a shift in our lives. There has to be priorities in our lives. We have to say no to things and say yes to things in our lives. You may, you may have to unsubscribe from Disney Plus for a season, which, by the way, you've already watched everything on Disney Plus, like me. And I don't know when the new Mandalorian's coming out. And so if you're like me, you sit there at night and you try to find something to watch for 45 minutes. Can I hear an amen from anybody? And you check Disney Plus, Discovery Plus, everything kind of plus, And you spend an hour trying to find something. What if we took that hour and gave it to God? I, I'm not against it. Like, I, I love Chip and Joanna Gaines. 
Right? I love Fixer Upper. I'm not preaching against that at all. I've been to Fixer Upper like too many times. All right? So don't hear what I'm not saying. But we waste so much time. As I have been doing the reading the Bible in 90 days, I'm finding myself reading the Bible on the toilet. Reading the Bible, thank you. I should have said reading the Bible on the throne, reading the Bible in my car, reading the Bible at a doctor's appointment. Like, I'm just reading the Bible. You have more time than you think. We have to be wise with the time that we have. Luke 12, 35 and 36, this is another key verse. It says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. I'm going to share in closing three practical ways quickly uh, to strengthen yourself in the Lord. But before we get to that aspect of, of three practical things you can do, they're going to be short, they're going to be simple, and you've heard about them a hundred times. I, I want to bring this part. Now, in Exodus 27, it says, have the people bring oil into the tent of meeting so that there could be a light burning continually. Now, if there's no lampstand, this was before they had electricity, right? This wasn't decorative. This actually illuminated the tent of meeting or the holy place. No lamp, no light. Say that. No lamp, no light. So this is a picture of the oil representing the Holy Spirit. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit illuminating things in your life. There are many people that pray. There are many people that religiously read the Bible without the Holy Spirit illuminating it. So when, when I get to these three points, you'll be like, yeah, I know that. Yep, uh, yep I know that. Maybe you say, yeah, I've, I do that. But there is a, a, a point in a Christian's life when the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate prayer, begins to illuminate the word of God, begins to illuminate the corporate gathering. And what you used to do comes to life. Has anybody, or could anybody be honest and say, your prayer life has changed from being boring, dry, and dead in one season to coming alive? Has anybody ever had that? Look around the room. This is proof to what I'm saying. So in the holy place, there was a lamp, there was a table for, for the bread, the show bread, and there was an altar uh, the incense altar. So the lampstand is revelation, which brings light to people, uh, that, that brings light to be able to do the other two properly. The showbreads, the word of God, represents the face of God or the word of God, and the incense altar represents prayer. So my, my prayer, as, as we're getting ready to give these three practical things and go back into a worship song, my prayer is this, that the Holy Spirit would begin to illuminate, that, the, that you would begin to have oil in your life that would begin to light things that once were dead, that they would come alive to you. Number one, prayer. But listen to what I say. Relational prayer. Relational prayer, where you have communion with God. We talk about that all, that, all the time in this church. In Mark 6, 39, it says this, that he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and sat before and, and set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. Listen to that word, satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the, and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Okay, what Jesus says is, have them sit down. If you sit down, I'll feed you. If you sit down, you can be fed. If, if I went to Pastor Theo's house and, and uh, he, he wants to feed me and I'm walking around his house, he'd be saying, hey, Chris, can you sit down? I got a really nice meal prepared for you. I want to feed you. He could maybe give me something to eat and drink, but the experience isn't the same. Right? Sit down. So every morning, 
And the only thing I'm going to highlight now is the sitting down aspect. I write down five things in my journal. Sit down. Then I write down worship, listen, rest, and enjoy. And every day I practice coming into the presence of God in a way that is relational. And when I sit with him, I am satisfied by him. I believe that there were people that didn't sit down and they didn't get fed because they did not obey the voice of God. I believe there were people maybe standing off to the side going, we'll see, I'm not going to listen to him. But those that sat down were fed and they were satisfied. And then 12 baskets were left over. When you meet with God and you sit with him, he satisfies you and you have leftovers. So when you go about your day, when you go to your workplace and to your school, right, you're not hungry. You're not malnourished. You're not trying to get stuff from people, but you're saying, do you need the word of God? Can I be salt and light in the midst of this moment? I don't need anything from you, but let me give you what God gave me. If you sit with him, God will satisfy you. And then you'll be walking around with a basket, passing out the word of God. You have to sit. That could be five minutes. God is not about time. He's about connection. It's not, I need to give an hour or a half an hour. You need to give your life. You need to enter into a covenant relationship with God. You need to become wise. So relational prayer. The second one is time in the word of God. I'm just going to read the scripture. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If you want to know what truth is in this time, get in the Word of God. If you want to know what's up, what's down, get in the Word of God, and you will come out clear. So listen, church, it is time to read the Word. And the last one is this. Will you guys stand with me? The last one is this, community, relational prayer, time in the word, and church community. In Acts 2, 1 and 2, it says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Listen, it began with a group, it's going to end with a group. It didn't start with just Peter. It started with a group. The feeding of the 5,000, which really there was probably 15,000 or maybe 20,000 people there, right? Because they only counted the men. That's a lot of people that were following Jesus. That was a lot of people that were observing. There was a lot of foolish followers there. But when it came down to it, there were 120 that showed up for 10 days and sat there and waited. And I'm prophesying to you, there are a lot in the church in the coming season that are going to fall away and they're going to compromise their faith and they're going to bow their knee to Baal and idolatry. But the power of God is going to come on a consecrated bride. And as we were worshiping this morning, as Casey led us in worship, I begin to think in my heart, nothing will stop the church. We've got believers backed in a corner, running to caves in Afghanistan, saying we will die for our king. And our kids will die beside us. If we come together as community and we stand strong in the midst of increasing darkness, God's oil and his light will come upon us and we will be the answer to the world. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I first want to have a call for you. If you're here and and you're hearing me preach and you're feeling something on the inside of you and you're like, I've never given my life to Jesus before. It's the gospel simple. He created you to be in relationship with you. Sin messed that up. And Jesus is the only solution to the sin problem. And today you can be made right with God because of what Jesus has done for you. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up over your head. We're going to pray for you. If that's you, don't don't miss the moment. If that's you, 
Anybody in the room, I just want you to put your hand up. Right here. Pastor Jonathan, can you stand with him? Is there anybody else that would say, that's me? I need to have a relationship with Jesus. Anybody else? Okay. You pray with him as we go into this song here. Now, if you're here, this is not an altar call. This is a get right with God call. The response to this message is not what happens in the next five minutes as we close the service. The, 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 the real fruit of this message is what does your life look like in a month from now, not even tomorrow. When I come back in December to move here and I look at you and I see oil on your life and I see fire in your eyes, I'll say you got what I was talking about because when you see me in three months, I'm going to be burning brighter. So it's not even what you do tomorrow, it's what you do for the next three months and the next five years and the next 10 years. I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. It may be 200 years. It may be 300 years. It may be my great, great grandchildren, but I've got to burn for him today. So they'll burn for him tomorrow, amen? So if you feel in your heart that you would like to respond to this message and get right with God, I want to open up the altar as we sing this song. If you just want to stay there and maybe take some notes and write some things down and say, tomorrow I'm going to make a shift. Tonight I'm going to make a shift. I need you to get right with God because he's coming back. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for the word this morning. I pray as we go into this song. God, that you would move and that your Holy Spirit would come on your people. There were 10 virgins. Five of them were wise. 10 is the number of testing. Five is the number of grace. Father, I, I pray for those that are saying, I'm going to be the people of grace, God, that your grace would come upon your people and they would be empowered to do your works starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. future 